I think there's something valuable about having an ongoing relationship. Like, you know, it's like a responsibility relationship with plants. So that's my check-in. But my point is, is it good to do that gardening? Yeah, it is. And it, it does make my life better. And I like to interact with plants because they're kind of amazing. But I can't help but think that the eight to 10 hours, let's say a day that I put in working on talking with others about the climate emergency, bringing emotions into that conversation, writing about the climate emergency and bringing in psychological perspective, supporting political work that my organization does mainly through fundraising. But all of these collaborative and political things, I think their value is basically infinitely higher than my lovely garden. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. My goal in this podcast is to bring leaders from many fields and share what made them effective. I believe that sustainability and stewardship would benefit from learning more effective leadership. A goal with each guest on the podcast is to feature them. Everyone is unique. Everyone brings something that we can learn from. Everyone brings value. Sometimes I don't achieve my goal. Sometimes a guest and I end up talking at cross purposes. And as the interviewer, it's my responsibility to make things work. And I think that happened this time, meaning I didn't do justice to Margaret, the guest. This time I started off exploring Margaret's views and her experiences, but partway through, I think misunderstanding arose, and I don't think I gave Margaret the chance to shine that she deserves. I apologize to her. I hope I didn't distract from her work. You'll hear at the beginning how her book led me to reflect, to introspect, and to act, so I recommend it. If I messed up, I welcome constructive criticism. I hope she looks all the better for the conversation, even if I didn't feature her as well as I could have. Anyway, enough about the conversation. Here's Margaret. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Margaret Klein-Salomon. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I mean, I'm pretty depressed about uh, the state of the world, but in my own little bubble, things are okay. I was going to ask about Brooklyn gardening, but now since you mentioned it, and I mean, you are, is the, is the term the climate psychologist? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I have a blog called The Climate Psychologist. So the, one of the first things you mentioned is it's like an emotional state. I mean, I find that emotions are, at first I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, as I thought about it, you know, it's, it stuck with me. And I was like, I come to it from a leadership perspective and emotions are very important for leadership. It's not, I see a lot of management and people telling people what to do. I've worked a lot on how to conjure up emotions of resolve, of determination, of expectation of success. Those are emotions. But I spent less time of really looking at the emotions that I have felt until reading a book. And I was like, I think I've been missing out on communicating with people and connecting with what they go through, that feeling of guilt and shame. And I don't know where I was going with this, just that you, you mentioned depression, but I don't read you as giving up. No, yeah. I, I mean, huh. It is not always easy with the Democratic Party just feels to, to me and I think other climate activists like they are just testing how far they can push us and will still support Joe Biden and, and them in the fall. And it's but whatever. It's, it is really painful. And I, I'm glad to hear that you've been, let's say, rethinking feelings a bit or or 
feeling them, feeling them more. Yeah. I, I mean, I continue to feel very strongly that they're a critical part of this equation. Just yesterday I had a, a talk, a small group talk with a group of young people and who are sharing their thoughts and especially feelings about the climate emergency and the intersecting emergencies of coronavirus, democracy, racial justice. And it is just so powerful to hear people open up and say, I mean, one man said, I feel guilty when that I brought my daughter into this world. I feel like I just am so terrified about her future. Someone said, I, it feels like when I'm riding my bicycle and I'm going on a downhill and it feels like, oh, it's so good to be alive. This is so amazing, but also just incredibly dangerous. Anyway, so I just, I think by bringing emotions into the front of the conversation, it kind of opens up a, a new quality of conversation. I mean, it's so much richer. And I felt in just one conversation with those young people, I felt like so connected with them and like, wow, I really, maybe I want to join this group. <laughs> you make me think about, it's something that happens a lot. I did this four-step process with you of, you know, what is the environment? What do you think about when you think about the environment and to act on it? A lot of people I speak to, one of the reasons I bring leaders on the show, people who have experienced it, who have gone through emotional journeys. There's a guy who wants to start an offshoot of the Leadership in the Environment podcast. So to start to do what I do, but for a group that I don't reach. So I'm training him. And I go through the process with him. And when I say, when you think of the environment, what do you think of? And he could only talk about abstract things, like things that were not connected with him. Things like you know, people on the other side of the world, they suffer and, you know, they don't have what I have. And these are important things, but it was, it took like an hour going back and forth. And for me, I don't pretend to be the best at this, but I was trying to be supportive and non-judgmental so that he could share what this actually translated to him in his heart. And it was very, very difficult. When, after he came out, I described some emotions like guilt and shame as slippery, as soon as, like, if I feel happy, I'm like, happy to tell the world I'm happy. If I feel rage, I'm happy. I'm, I'm not happy to tell the world I've, I'm enraged, but I get that I'm, I feel enraged. I feel like a lot of emotions related to the environment, because we're on both sides of it. We get comfort and convenience at the cost of hurting other people. And so we're on both sides. And so this feeling comes up of, oh, I'm hurting someone. I feel terrible about that. And then it's, if you try to consciously grasp it, it slips away like a fish trying to grab a fish in water with your hands. And so all these people, that's, yeah, you're nodding yes. I'm like, I, yeah, I like yeah. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I, I think it's, um, we live in a system that is going to kill us all. I mean, and it's already killing millions of people and making other millions totally sick and homeless. So it's like it, that, that being a part of that system all day, every day is really psychologically so, I mean, so taxing to it's, I mean, it's all around us and it's including, you know, we participate in it. So, I, I mean, I feel like that guilt and shame is, you know, I don't want to say like, oh no, that's crazy. Don't feel that way. Like I get it. And I feel that way too, to an extent. I just think the best response to those feelings is to an all out focus on transforming the system. So it's like, 
yeah, I feel so bad in this system as it is now, guilt, shame, not, not to mention terror and grief, but, but yeah, guilt, shame. And I like kind of self-disgust, right? Like when I use single use plastic or something, it's just like, Oh, what mm-hmm. is this? this is horrible. But yeah, it's, I know though that it's, you know, this is how our system works right now. And rather than basically trying to kind of purify myself and my own consumption and say, okay, I'm never gonna use a piece of single use plastic again. It's like, okay, how do we change the way this country is governed so that this is stuff is just banned? I mean, like, you know, like just aiming much higher than individual, whatever, purification. I want to point out the, I think you were, you were distinguishing between acting on the system and acting personally. Oh, so on the blackboard behind me, sorry, uh, listeners, you can't see it, but it says systemic change begins with personal transformation. And I think there's a, I call it a big mistake for people to evaluate personal action based on the outcome of that individual action. Because any, any one person's thing divided by 7.8 billion rounds off to zero. But especially where, as far as emotions are concerned, I, think, I thought this is what you were going to say. The best way to handle these emotions is through facing them and acting on them. Mm-hmm. Now, the action may take many forms. And one way is to change the system. But also, taking responsibility and acting is a way... I mean, Greta said it really well. I, I'm not going to put it in her words. But you know, I was angry until I acted. Maybe I wasn't angry. But like, she felt really... like. Once you act, I believe that acting is a way to get past those feelings or to handle those feelings and trans- if you want to transform them into motivation to act, inaction is not going to get there. And acting to change the system will do it, but also acting to change yourself. And it not, that doesn't necessarily mean like it's some sort of purification right. But I mean, when I go out and pick up garbage every day, I feel great. I clean my neighborhood. Am I cleaning the world? I mean, divided by 7.8 billion, not really. <laughs> but I can't put into words, and, and no one has ever gotten this. Not one single person has gotten this. That it feels really good. It, it's not, even though my fingers might be getting dirty because I'm picking stuff up off the ground, the part of the brain that it goes to is not the dirt part of the brain. It's going to the clean part of the brain. It's going to the, the part of the brain that's like per, someone who plays scales in order to get to Carnegie Hall. What's the point of playing a scale? Well, how else do you get to Carnegie Hall? That's, well, I don't know. This is me. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And it's like, I, I can appreciate why you would, why it would feel good to, to pick up trash and why it feels bad to whatever. All, all manner of like environmental sins, fly, idle your car, have a car, whatever. I mean, again, this, this system is, gives no, no end to destructive stuff that we can do. So to me, the issue is about social movement and collective awakening that I think is really not understood enough or sometimes understood at all in terms of like how change works and just what, what's happened in the United States over the past five plus decades about like atomization and alienation of individuals. You know, the, the American dream and kind of American mythology is all about, you know, you, you can do anything, you know, uh, you have rights, you, you know, and the, the, the individual. And I think 
we really need to move into a collective mindset that, that I cannot solve environmental problems and crises alone. Only we can together. So, so I always want to look at like, what is the social impact and like a political impact? So for example, to whatever extent you do individual action, I encourage people to explain why to people. Don't just say, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Oh yeah. Not, not stop with individual action. Yeah. But like, don't just be a vegetarian, but tell people, I mean, we, you know, if you're a vegetarian, it comes up all the time and say, yeah, you know, I, I don't eat meat because I'm uh, terrified about environmental breakdown and it's, you know, that's why. So as opposed to something that I think is really a, a trap that, that many Americans get pulled into is like the kind of carbon footprint thing. And it's like, it's up to me on my own to handle my environmental impact. Yeah, it's just not a collective project. Stop me if I'm getting too personal, but it sounds almost like I caught you at a despondent moment. Like, or is it? I mean, to some degree, I would say that's true. I mean, it's like the Democrats just took ending fossil fuel subsidies out of their platform. And, you know, to like, it's the climate emergency has gotten like just a few mentions at the convention. And, you know, the coronavirus is still at large and Trump is trying to dismantle the post office. I mean, so, so yes, but I mean, you know, I'm not I'm a terribly cheery person, you know, <laughs> the, the climate emergency. Is, Sorry to laugh at that. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, because that's, I mean, because that's such an American thing too, right? Like we're supposed to be happy and whatever, living our best life and, you know, and yeah, I don't, I mean, that's not really a goal for me. I'm mean, like, it kind of used to be when I was younger and I, you know, I wanted to be cool and part of me cool is being fun and having fun. But I just, I mean, I want to live in reality and it's not great. So yeah. Well, what, I mean, writing a book is hard. It takes a long time. It's so much easier not to, and then <laughs> promoting it is such a big mess. So something's motivating you. I mean, what you're not giving up or you haven't yet. <laughs> maybe you have, maybe, maybe right now, or maybe you're more resolved than ever. I think that it really, it's a, it's a moral duty. I just, I mean, I think like, why are we alive at this moment? If not to do everything we can to take part in this last ditch, Hail Mary heroic effort. So that's, if you view it as a moral duty and a responsibility, then it kind of doesn't matter like, oh, it's going well, it's not going well, whatever. It's like, well, you just got to kind of put one foot in front of the other. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, absolutely, it is hard. It's hard. I mean, the coronavirus particularly has had a really, really disruptive effect on the climate emergency movement, which was just absolutely on a roll and gaining steam. And I feel like it kind of got cut off at the knees. So yeah, for sure that is painful and, you know, critical strategic obstacle. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like giving, the idea of giving up is like, I don't even, I don't even know what I would do with my time. I mean, yeah, it's like a uh, kind of miserable. But to me, 
not being a parent, I only have nieces and nephews, but not being a parent, I can't really say for sure, but I feel like not taking care of your kid is not something that people think about. Like you might have to change a lot of diapers and you might get a lot of poop on your hands, but you never think like, I'm going to stop because you expect some sort of, I don't know, walking down the aisle and getting a diploma or getting married or something like that. And you want to get those joys. And I feel like this has a lot to, a lot, stewardship is like that. It's something that it, yes, it takes works. It takes work. The rewards are great. And I can say on my part, my connection to nature, especially through food is, but also through enjoyment of it from the sailing. And now I'm probably going to bike to Vermont pretty soon. How far is that? Good question. <laughs> I had Joe DeSena, who's the founder of the, of the Spartan Race on, and he lives up in Vermont. And we're talking about working together because they want a lot more sustainability in their organization. They're big on hearts and body, or mind and body. And I, I believe that they, they got two chairs, uh, two legs of the, of the chair, but not the third, which is, would be the connection with nature. And so they're looking for leadership advice on how to make stewardship part of what they do, sustainability part of what they do. And we're talking about me going up there and working with them. So the train only goes to all of them. It's not easy to get up there. And when I was the summer between high school and college, I, I rode my bike from Philadelphia to Maine and back. And that was in the 80s. I haven't ridden that far since. And I thought, what better time than now? It's a beautiful country. And I keep telling people that I keep enjoying life more not flying than when I used to fly. And no one believes me. And I just keep having more fun. I keep enjoying it more. I know that I'm going to enjoy this trip. I, I know that this ride, if it happens, it might not happen. It will bring me more experience of travel than all the flying that I haven't done. And when I finally sail across the Atlantic or Pacific, I expect that that will also outdo, I'll have more experience of travel than all the flying that I used to do. I don't want to compare them like quantitatively like that, but I'm going to get a great experience. It'll be, these are life experiences. Peter Kalmus says the same, that since he dramatically reduced his carbon footprint, he never been happier. Yeah, he's also at like 10% of what it used to be. Yeah, we're at roughly the same. Yeah. And, and he's a physicist. I, I, we have this bond. And yeah, that's, I keep finding more rewards and more joy in it that come from the action. And I don't count those as changing the world. I count those as, well, I, I just like a life that's more fun and has more adventure and has more cultural exchange and where I save more money and where I help people more and connect with them more than hurt them. And it seems like you are also a communicator, right? I mean, you're, you're making changes and, and communicating about them and talking about why you do them. Yeah, I post every day that got the podcasts. And so I do a lot of solo episodes. I don't know how much you've gotten to listen to it, but I do a lot of solo episodes where I share my personal experiences and things like that. Yeah. I, I recommend it. <laughs> to all the listeners out there, I recommend listening to my podcasts. What about political activity and social movements for a climate emergency response? Do you... That's the whole point. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to... Everything that I see out there right now, very nearly everything, is what I would call management and not leadership. The distinction would be management is... And by the way, both are essential and necessary for large-scale change or for meaningful change. So managers tend to focus on facts and figures, measurable things, and their goal is to get compliance. And that's very important. Leadership works more on things that aren't so easily measurable, stories, emotions, role models, and its goal is inspiration. Now, if you have leaders without managers, you get dreamers. If you get management without leadership, you get the DMV. The DMV gets stuff done, right? I just renewed my driver's license. I haven't used it in a long time. And 
it's, I'm glad that they're doing what they're doing, but they're not going to change the world. They're going to get people licenses. But if you want to change the world in a big way, I believe you need leadership and management. And I don't see people trying to work on the system from outside the system. I don't see people changing the mindsets, leading people to where they want to change. I believe that most people view changing, acting on the environment as a burden, as a chore, as an obligation, as something that they're taking one for the team. And it's, I did too. And that's why when I started acting was when I found it was a joy. It created more community, more connection. And I don't see that message out there. Even Greta asks for, she calls for panic, but I don't know anyone who's saying you're going to enjoy this. So do you take part in uh, politics? Somewhat. Although really my bigger goal with politics now is to make environmental, is to bring it to conservatives. I believe that there's a good chance of getting them on board. I mean, you can start with hunters and people like that, but it's, it's stewardship and conservation. I think there's an appeal to them instead of, I think, man, when they talk about Al Gore, it energizes them. They're like, Al Gore says to do something that he himself is not doing, is what they say. If he believed what he said, he wouldn't do these things, but he does do these things. So he must not believe what he says. So why is he doing it? Well, he's getting rich and they're, they're energized. And that I believe is a result of management without leadership. I'm oversimplifying. So please, like whoever listened listen to that, I was like thinking there's a lot more to it. Yes, there's a lot more to it. But I think that everybody wants clean air, clean water, clean land. And likewise, there's a lot of, there's people all over the spectrum who just don't, they're rebelling. They're, they just find reasons not to act. And they feel very satisfied that they're one of the good guys, even as they're among the most polluting people in all of history. I would like to depoliticize this. And one of the things I say a lot is that no one says about traffic signals this red light, some bureaucrat in Washington is keeping me from going where I want to go. This double yellow line, it's keeping me from freedom. Everyone says, yeah, we get that you have to stop sometimes in order to let someone else go. And I would like to see environmental regulations viewed the same way. Yeah, we got to have double yellow lines. Of course, we have double yellow lines. I mean, lots of people at a red light at 4 a.m., even when they can see all directions, will still stop at the red light because it's the law even though there's clearly no one affected if they were to go through that red light. Yeah, I, but the entrenched interests of fossil fuel and the GOP and the propaganda networks make it, even, even though it should be easy consensus, it's easy. It's such a fraught conversation. I did, and on this note of uh, fossil fuel companies and their misinformation campaigns and whatnot. I do think it's important to keep in mind with the like individual action mindset, the carbon footprint mindset, to remember that Beyond Petroleum is one of the major funders of that concept, that they put millions of dollars into advertising the idea that people should track and manage their carbon footprint because it shifts responsibility to the consumer. And you hear arguments all the time. How can you, like, as you mentioned, how can you say you care about climate, but have a car or use a kayak that's made of plastic or like, I mean, you know, any, any, anything. So at worst, it's a narrative that can be actively depoliticizing, right? In the sense that people think, okay, climate is an issue of just for individuals to take on alone. I am guilty and I need to focus on, you know, getting not guilty and, you know, 
just forget about all that fossil fuel corporations and the politicians that they bribe. And, you know, that's not, that's not what to focus on. I got to focus on cleaning up my own backyard. Yeah. People have this big uh, false dichotomy to, they, they think if I act myself, I only act myself and stop there. To me, acting personally is like, for one thing, it makes my life more enjoyable. And I don't think I'm, if there's anything special about me. I'd like, I used to like Doritos more than broccoli. Now I like broccoli more than Doritos. And I don't think there's anything special about my taste buds there. I mean, I had chips and ice cream all the time for decades of my life. It was, <laughs> sounds, inconceivable. Sounds it was inconceivable for me for me not to. But now come on over for my famous no packaging vegetable stew sometime. I'll bring the stuff up to my roof so we can be outdoors and properly distanced. And, and I love that. That's for everyone. But I'm about systemic change. But I don't think you can change the system if you haven't made that transformation yourself. Now, you never complete it. It's always happening. But there's a different transformation or a similar one that can, that can happen for people. And that's what's happened for me, and which is about how I spend my time and energy. Right. So I, I transitioned, I transformed from a clinical psychologist who's on a, you know, kind of conventional career track, right? I'm going to have a practice and make money and write books and articles. And, you know, many, many have gone before in that uh, direction. But I decided to, you know, do something else with my life and time. And, you know, that's a like political and social project of, trying to initiate a collective awakening about the climate emergency and initiate World War II scale climate mobilization that could actually protect humanity and the living world. And so it's like, I've changed some things for sure. It's kind of like once you have a deeper awareness of the issues, it's like not fun anymore. (laughs) Like, I mean, I, I, before the coronavirus, I mean, I did, I do fly for work, but I I don't fly for pleasure anymore, for example, because it would be like basically impossible to fly for pleasure because how badly I would feel about the flight would make it not fun. So anyway, to, I know, uh, to talk about the gardening I've been doing and, and not doing, I have, I'm glad you brought that back home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I mean, I, whatever we have mainly my brother manages it, but we have a nice garden in the backyard with some tomatoes and cucumbers and kale. And that's been really nice. I mean, it's nice for my six-year-old nephew. It's nice for, to have that bounty directly from the garden. And then I also added, uh, at your urging, I added, oh yeah, it's not on video, right? I added a microgreens little garden. It's from, it's from a kit called Hamama. The truth is though, I can't, vouch for it. You know, I didn't do like a life cycle analysis on this kit. I I don't know what its environmental impact is. And given that it got shipped to me from somewhere, it's probably not a net positive. However, it uh, gives me fresh vegetables and a kind of different connection to plant life that I feel like I also get to some degree from my house plants, but I just, I, I do think there's something kind of, I mean, it certainly makes the house nicer, but I think there's something valuable about having an ongoing relationship. Like, you know, it's like a responsibility relationship with plants. So, so, th- so that's my check-in. But my point is 
you know, is it, is it good to do that gardening? Yeah, it is. And it, it does make my life better. And I like to interact with plants because they're kind of amazing, but I can't help but think that the whatever eight to 10 hours, let's say a day that I put in working on talking with others about the climate emergency, bringing emotions into that conversation, writing about the climate emergency and bringing it, yeah, bringing in psychological perspective, supporting uh, the political work that my organization does mainly through fundraising. But like all, all of these, all of these like collaborative and political things, I think their value is basically infinitely higher than my lovely garden. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I'm curious, you mentioned the gardening was nice. You said that plants are amazing. I'm curious, what was the emotional experience of this, of of the new stuff that you wouldn't have done otherwise? It's rewarding. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. This this micro green kit, it's like they grow. They grow in about a week. It's very, you know, from day to day, it's different. You can, I mean, you can track the progress. It's it's not it's not subtle. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a photosynthesis is magic, right? <laughs> I mean, it's creating creating plant life from sunlight. And so, so yeah, I, I really, I, I love it, but I don't, I mean, I certainly don't think we have the, I don't think I have an experience similar to you. And maybe that's because I did, uh, whatever, didn't choose a good activity or didn't put enough into it. But I think that our time and energy really needs to go to like highest and best use kind of thing. And, and, I've really put a lot of analysis into, in an ongoing way, try to put a lot of analysis into thinking, what is my highest and best use? And yeah, it's it's reading, writing, organizing funders, organizing fundraising, like this, you know, whatever, networking, this type of, this type of function. I can't help but think that I, I just recently did for the first time, I sprouted some mung beans and I get the mung beans from the co-op. So I bring a bag. It's no, like I can do the lifestyle analysis. It's, it's very low and not lifestyle, life cycle analysis. And all I did was I put it, I was so lazy. I went online and looked at a couple ways to do it. And there are all these different ways to sprout mung beans. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to try. I always try something first and then figure out how to refine it later. Cause there was like too many different ways to do it. So I just put them in a bowl, pour some water in a bowl, pour the water back out, let it sit kind of dry, but they're wet and they sprouted. And then I did it again. And, and a couple days later, I started, I just eating them. And it was like the easiest thing. It was very easy. Yeah. And they were tasty. It's like surprisingly, like, it's so easy. I mean, it's like really seconds to pour the water in, pour the water out. I didn't even use a strainer. I just used my hand. And I I say this partly because you're contrasting time with time doing one thing versus time doing another. And I'm I'm wondering how much time did you spend on the plant stuff? Very little. So did did it take away time from other things? 
No. Because also like picking up garbage off the street. I mean, now because of the virus, I sometimes will go out specifically only because I haven't picked up anything. But generally, it's on the order of a second or two a day is how much I spend on it. You just, you just grab it while you're going about your business? Sadly, in New York, yeah. It's like, it's, I usually don't have to cross the street before I find my first piece. And which partly works in my favor in that I'm cleaning up closest to home. But now I pick up usually 10 or 20 pieces just because I'm, if I walk more than a couple of blocks, even not stepping one inch out of my way, like I have to not step on something. Like I pick it up because sadly, I mean, you know, New York City, we now have all this outdoor, all this outdoor restaurants and a lot of them are serving on, on disposable food, uh, disposable containers. And a lot of people are doing takeout like two, three meals a day. And so by now, three o'clock, I guarantee every trash can in my, in my neighborhood is completely overflowing. And the gutters are probably- What neighborhood? Greenwich Village. And, but it fills me with the sense of, of I'm, okay, I was going to say resolve and purpose, but I'm not going to lie. It fills me with a sense of self-righteousness. <laughs> it's, I'm not, I don't tell people I'm judging you because I feel the, the communication of it. But in the way that I can't help but feel when I eat a mango, oh man, that tastes good. Likewise, when I pick up garbage, I can't feel like, oh man, everyone should be doing this. Why aren't they? Or like, how could someone have done this? It's an oddly satisfying feeling and it motivates me. So I feel more, I think I probably, I, I'm me, other people, other people, but I don't see it as a burden and a chore. And this helps make it a, a joy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to change you. No, no, I, I, I see it. I mean, I see, I see, it's like, um, I mean, it's like a, it's a somewhat symbolic way of living about mitigating harm wherever possible and nurturing life wherever possible. I, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I like, God, this morning I was at an outdoor workout, which is one of the best things I've done during this pandemic. And there was a truck idling in Prospect Park, a city truck. You know, there was all these down trees during the, I don't even, I forget even the name. Well, I, I, Isaiah's, Isaiah's storm. So yeah, there's a lot of vehicles for processing those trees and one was idling. And I left my workout, it's a group workout. So I left there and went and talked to them and said, hey, can you turn off your truck? You know, it's polluting and it's wasting money and it's uh, illegal. And they did. So that was, that was nice. It makes sense to me as a lifestyle thing. And I do lifestyle stuff along those lines. I don't, I don't pick up trash. I think growing food is really cool. But yeah, it's, I, I mean, I do think lifestyle and politics are not the same. And we mm-hmm. need to lean into politics. It's not that there's no room for lifestyle. We all, we all face these choices and are you know, navigating within this really disgusting system. So we got to, we got to do something. So it's not, I, right. I was like trying to lead a more like kind of a regenerative, let's say life. It, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It's a pretty good lifestyle. But again, I just like, how can it be political? How can it be deployed to create collective action and power building and fund and ultimately policy change on every level? Yeah, to me, this is probably going to sound like a stretch, but to me, that's kind of like saying, why, how is boycotting a bus in Birmingham? What was it, Birmingham? Birmingham? Yeah, yeah. That's not changing politics. Why bother? It's just make it, it's just extra work. It would be like saying it would not make sense for one person to boycott the bus on their own. 
right? That why that worked is because it was a collective effort. Wait, 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 hold on. I didn't say anything about what I'm doing is alone or what I'm doing is stopping with myself. It's, I want to push back here a bit more assertively. You keep implying a, a dichotomy that I simply don't see, that I, I can't see how what I do stops me personally is somehow in conflict with me doing something with others. I'm not stopping it. I'm not stopping with myself. But you keep saying personal is somehow separate and stop me if I'm if I'm pushing too back. If put too much. No, back. I mean it's fine. I don't I don't want to make this about you, right? Both because I mean, whatever. It's not helpful to like approach someone's whatever and try to critique someone's activism like that, right? I'm I'm speaking to the listener who might be wondering how, as so many people do, what can I do? How can I get involved? And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, as a, a, in terms of like a theory of change, I do think we have different, though not, I mean, there's a tension, but it's not like an opposition, like that, that someone pursuing your theory of change yet would be opposed to someone pursuing the theory of change that I'm describing, but it is, but it is different. And yeah, so I want to just advocate for, for, politics and movements. I I mean, so like, for example, joining a movement is about like going to meetings and planning actions and, you know, getting involved in a volunteer role, like whatever, I mean, calling people before the meeting or, uh, bringing the, bringing the food or keeping the the organization's books or, or whatnot. So, I mean, it's just a different, it's a different orientation. Yeah. I I guess I, I feel like what I'm doing, what I'm proposing is what you're proposing and making it more fun. And I feel like what you're, you're proposing, excluding something, not valuing something that I think is fun. Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, again, it's great that it's fun and it's a life and it's, it's perhaps it's the best possible lifestyle that people can have right now, but is it going to prevent the collapse of civilization and the living world? I mean, absolutely not. Not a chance. For that, we need, we need coordinated federal action. That's what I'm working toward. I'm bringing leaders from all sorts of, I mean, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting too, too, I'm, I'm sure the listeners are like, Josh, this is not a, <laughs> what are you doing? It's, I mean, listen, I think it's, I think it's fine. And I think the listeners are probably thinking, hmm, I, I don't know. Let's, which is this intention, which is more important to me, political or individual? Like I, you know, and that's good. So I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And uh, individual or yeah, personal uh, behavioral change is the uh, spark that that m- most people need. I, I certainly know people who are deep in politics who started with biking or whatever. So it's not. I mean, it does happen. So as I read, the divide between you is acting personally versus acting politically. And as I understand, for me, it's acting personally or politically or acting personally and politically. And I'm doing the latter. So it's a slightly different divide, I think, that how we're looking at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what reaction do you have to the fact that BP-sponsored individual carbon footprint ads and mentality and put millions of dollars into that? Does that give you pause? I don't really think much about it because it's just part of, that's what they do. I mean, I, it's already, part, it's not new, it's new information, but it's the, it's the systemic effect. It's the same thing that's been happening. It would be the same as, Anything else that BP is doing, that's what they do. Right. They, they deflect 
attention away from the fact that their core business is murderous and they try to put responsibility on on individuals in a way that I think we need to push back against and not like kind of take on that narrative that it's not you know somebody somebody who drives to work or whatever it's not their fault I mean it's like I don't think it makes sense to say yeah this is this is on you for your carbon footprint I, I think it's um I think we have to remember and just remember power as as like the key in terms of how change happens oh um i'm sorry i have another call okay well then let's wrap up do you have like 10 seconds or or sure. 60 10, seconds, 10 or? seconds sure okay well margaret thank you i we kind of got bogged down in, into details i hope to pick up I, I really do extend the invitation to come over for famous no package and vegetable stew because you're subway right or bike right away and I hope we get the chance to pick up more at some other time. Thanks, Josh. But thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed hearing the conversation and got value from each of our perspectives. I think I captured the misunderstanding or the two purposes that we we're talking past each other with at the end, that I had trouble seeing her view that getting distracted from political change would not achieve the effects we need to turn things around on the scale that we could. And that she didn't see my view that personal action augments without distraction political action. In the end, I think we overwhelmingly share common goals, and I hope that each of us ends up surprising the other by succeeding more in ways that the other could not have conceived of. In that way, we illuminate each other's worlds, and that we expand each other's views to where each of us becomes more effective than we would have otherwise, and that we enjoy a cleaner world. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.